welcome to In Search of the Crystal Skull, an epic adventure into the world of mediocrity. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. And today, you're all probably a bit confused. So let's back up a little bit. So a couple of months ago, uh, when this particular movie we're going to be talking about today was currently in theatres, we were toying with the idea of potentially doing an episode for this as a bonus. So um, unfortunately, time was not on our side and a lot of other things got in the way. And uh, sadly, we had to just leave this movie up until it finally did come out this week on streaming. And uh, for those of you who do not know what we are talking about, well, we're either going to be uh, ex- uh, appreciating something that's a part of our world, or we're poor unfortunate souls. <laughs> and if you didn't get that reference, we are talking about the live-action remake of The Little Mermaid. So, um, a little bit of background before we actually get into The Little Mermaid itself. Now, I'm not going to uh, hold any secrets here. I despise the live-action remakes. I really do. Like, uh, I think that the ones that we've seen so far, I feel like have just left such a bad taste in my mouth that I have just really just kind of like refused to kind of go out and see any of the live action remakes or even the spin-offs for that matter, because there have been spin-offs too of uh, some of this stuff. And, um, I just feel that, you know, this is a waste of my time, and uh, we've already seen these classic stories already. The animation ones already already hold up. I mean, to be honest, the, the animated ones, I, I would say, are definitely up there with The Wizard of Oz from 1939 and uh, The Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory as movies that basically will stand the test of time. That's how good they are, as, you know, the Disney Renaissance era was. And I feel like the idea that they can basically, you know, uh, they can somehow catch lightning in, in a bottle twice, or, you know, like they're going to get the same success. And don't get me wrong, there have been financial successes, but creatively and, like, just as, you know, Disney movies, are they necessarily better than what came before? I've got to be honest, I've got to walk on that. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about it, Patricia. I would say for me, I have seen several of the live action Disney remakes. Uh, the first one that I've ever saw was the 101 Dalmatians live action movie from 96 with Glenn Close as Cruella DeVille. And it was like a really solid take on the classic 1960s version with um, 101 Dalmatians. The, yeah, and a lot of people still have fond memories over it. And some people felt that Cruella DeVille was basically like the highlight of that version. And so we did get like little snippets of other live action movies here and there. But it wasn't until full force in which we got Maleficent. And then afterwards, it started like a massive chain where we had like Alice in Wonderland. We had Cinderella. We had The Lion King. We had Lady and the Tramp. And yeah, it's basically at this point, Disney is doing like a massive check mark on, okay, which of the classic Disney movies we want to do a live action remake on? Last year, we had Pinocchio, which was uh, the less said about that, the better. And around this time, there were two of them. There's Peter Pan and Wendy and Little Mermaid. And Peter Pan and Wendy was the one that went to Disney Plus exclusively. And Little Mermaid was the one that went out in theaters. And I got to say... Doing a live action version of The Little Mermaid was going to be tough, even from the whole concept of we're doing a live action remake of this. The Little Mermaid is one of the most important Disney movies ever made. It is right up there with Snow White and Cinderella as one of the definitive classics. And I've talked about this with my friend Chris, a.k.a. Rowdy C from TV Trash, that The Little Mermaid was a major point in Disney's lineup of movies. I mean, you even mentioned it earlier, Aaron, the Disney Renaissance around from the late 60s all the way up until the 80s disney was at a major hurdle after disney's death 
the Disney executives and the animators were on this constant thought mind of what would Walt do? And so they decided to do movies based off of what Walt would probably do. And we had movies from Robin Hood, The Rescuers, and then we went over to various other movies throughout the 80s where they went in a different direction that, you know, we wouldn't expect from Disney, like The Black Cauldron and Oliver and Company. And a lot of people just felt that Disney was no longer on the top bearings of entertainment for children that is until the little mermaid came out in 1989 and pretty much changed everything it went back to basics by telling a classic story based off of hans christian anderson about a princess who falls in love with a guy who uh the twist is is that that princess is a mermaid and the guy that she falls in love with is a prince but he's from the surface and so yeah, I mean, you would expect that, you know, something like this, where it went back to basics, was just going to be like something that it was going to fall apart. But no, it became a smash hit. And throughout the 80s and the 90s, we would have what we call the Renaissance period, in which they would release movie after movie that was critically and financially successful and that a generation of people grew up with. Now, imagine doing a live action remake on that, where a lot of people have been, as you mentioned, very stigmat on having live action versions of movies that we grew up with. I mean, The Lion King, I mean, even though that at the time that was the highest grossing animated of the live um, live action remake of Disney, a lot of people said that it's basically just like the Psycho remake, which is basically like a check on of beat for beat of the original Lion King from the, you know, from 1994. So, um, as you probably imagine, um, the background of all of this, and also well, we need to get into, you know, the reception of when the Little Mermaid was first announced. Oh boy, was oh, it! Oh boy, where do we start? I mean, <laughs> about the like, casting, shall we? So, well, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, well, I think that this falls into two camps. There's the Disney fans who all just kind of like just went, oh, you know, another live action remake, and they just thought, when are Disney gonna, you know, gonna do something, give us something different, or give us something that you know we actually are gonna get happy with, and I think. Uh, the the second side of it was obviously you know the conservative media had a problem with with the the little mermaid being black yep you know, like <laughs> yeah there was the there was two this this negativity came on two fronts and one i think came from a genuine place and i think one came from like a racist place yeah, like the whole concept of, oh, no, we have a black mermaid. There's no such thing as black mermaids. You know, uh, that, that, that guy, you, you in the back with the MAGA hat who's screaming insanities. Let me tell you something. Mermaids aren't real. <laughs> exactly. You ever considered that? Yeah, that, that's no? true. Mermaids are not real. And this isn't the first time that the Little Mermaid was not casted as a white person. I mean, did anybody forget that the original uh, voice actress behind Moana actually played as Ariel in the the television version of the Little Mermaid? Did we forget that? And yeah. what about the whole concept of, you know, that Disney princesses cannot be of different races? Did anybody forget about Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, where Brandy Norwood was Cinderella, and people actually praised her for that performance? So Cinderella, as a Black girl, is fine, but Ariel, as a Black girl, isn't? No, apparently not. So, anyway, with that out of the way, um, we then finally get to the movie, and uh, finally, you know, this is the thing, um, this honestly didn't do as well box office why say as Ambrose the Lion King, I mean, the Lion King is like a billion at the box office, you know, pretty much, so I mean, like, everyone was really into the Lion King, I mean, the uh, the Little Mermaid, if I if I understand correctly, I think, uh, did it do like, you know, it went into the hundreds of millions, didn't it? In yeah, it made over the, uh, $500 million. $500 million, yeah, so I mean, it's a respectful number. 
in regards to uh, you know uh, the box office. So um, I guess now uh, we, uh, now that it's finally come out on streaming, it's become to a medium that uh, you and I obviously can have access to and doesn't require too much time to kind of like you know fuff around and you know uh, finally get to finally do this. So uh, shall we finally talk about the Little Mermaid the movie itself and see how we go? Yeah, let's do it. Okay then. So in regards to the story, I mean. It's the Little Mermaid plus some extra bits, uh, pretty much. And so maybe I don't know, maybe if it's be worth talking about the story of the Little Mermaid because anyone here who's like seen the original nineteen eighty nine version knows what the story of the Little Mermaid is. I mean, it's the Little Mermaid in yeah. regard just there's live action people. But this is the thing about this: they do some interesting liberties with the story, and so maybe we should talk about the liberties more, maybe about that, and maybe not about like the original movie if you want to hear more thoughts about the little mermaid i did an entire podcast on the disney renaissance with chris aka roddy c from chibi trash so go check that out yeah because i feel like we'll just be repeating ourselves i'm pretty sure it's all about the little mermaid in prior in prior podcasts haven't we you know at least in, at least in passing anyway yeah in passing so. we have not done a full podcast on the little mermaid and uh in crystal skull we wouldn't have been able to talk about the little mermaid either because the little the original little mermaid is pretty high on rotten tomatoes and the sequels and the prequel were low on rotten tomatoes so we couldn't cover it when we were talking about lion king one and a half or cinderella three so i guess that's one of the good things that came out of the the, the live action remakes is that we can finally talk about a, a, the little mermaid finally <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Maybe it's not so bad. So, um, I think the first liberty that they took is that uh, at the very beginning of the movie, the gathering of the seven sisters for King Trident is not a celebration. It is uh, like they are celebrating like you know, the rising of the moon or something like that. The coral or, moon, yes. The coral moon, yeah. So, um, they all get together, and uh, you know, uh, King admires all his daughters finally coming together. And uh, I've got to be honest with everybody, this is uh, this. Mermaid family has a very interesting gene pool. The fact that you know they can go from like different like types of mermaids and races and things like that. It's like you know, um, is King Trident getting busy with more than one mermaid? I mean, he is a Greek god, so that does tend to happen. I mean, look at Zeus, where he's fathering children from both gods and mortals. So I take it that um, Trident, the son of Poseidon, would probably be doing the same thing. (laughs) The way that they talked about this, it's like they kind of made it seem like that you know all of these mermaids came from the same mother. I mean, that's kind of hard because if you remember from, I mean, I'm actually curious. Have you seen uh, Ariel's Beginnings, the prequel? No. Okay, I have. They did come from the same mother in the prequel, but that makes me question about if they came from the same mother in this version because it doesn't look like they did. Yeah, like, it's just, it's kind of, I don't know, but, uh, I mean, they obviously don't explain uh, any of it, which is sort of, I mean, how can you explain this? Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain. (laughs) And also they have different names in this version where in the original they have all of their names starting with the letter A, but this one they have different names and they also go uh, the thing about well, the that sister- sort of makes sense because like i mean the the names i believe are all kind of like from like their 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 ethnic background if i'm not mistaken yes they are they are from their ethnic backgrounds because the seven daughters of the sea you know they patrol the seven the, you know each part of the seven seas you know one part you know goes over to maybe the caspian sea and then the baltic sea and and the red sea so i take it that they all control that part of the ocean which i think it makes a lot of sense on why maybe they're ethnically different because each part of the sea is from a different part of the world yeah which brings us to ariel who as you probably imagine is not there 
Nope. So, uh, of course she's not there because very similar to the original, she is exploring the sunken ships. Yeah. So uh, King Drain, as you probably imagine, confronts Ariel over the fact that she's so obsessed with the human world. And so obviously that's still from the same movie. And uh, but I don't know, like um, I wonder about now, this is going to be quite controversial, the way that I will look at this. Um, I wonder if they could have taken a different a different, um, you know, uh, side for Ariel in regards to her fascination with humans. I mean, just as like, you know, maybe giving uh, Ariel maybe more positivity in a role model. I mean, instead of like having like, you know, this obsession with the human world, maybe she's like, you know, uh, maybe she's studying it uh, for like, you know, scientific purposes, maybe. Like, you know, like they are, uh, you know, they are different from us and uh, maybe it's important that we do study their culture and, you know, and maybe give from it from like more of an academic point of view. Maybe in regards to a discussion with the king, because uh, I mean, they could have. On top of that, they could have made Ariel more, you know, sympathetic. Because you know, what's the one guy in every disaster movie who never gets listened to? The disaster happens, and all of a sudden, like he's thrust to basically save the world. It's the scientist. Yes, you know, like the the person who says he's saying, "Look, you might want to have a look at this because it's going to be pretty much disaster in the in the second act of the movie." And everyone laughs it off and says, like, "Oh, like you know," dismisses that person and says, "Oh no, 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 you're wrong. We're going to continue with doing everything the way." Then the disaster happens, and then all of a sudden, like you know, the scientist then thrust into like saving the world. Mm-hmm. We've seen that many times before. They could have done this with Ariel. Yeah, and it's actually interesting because King Trident's motivation on preventing his daughters from going over to the surface is it is more or less the same thing of what happened in Ariel's beginnings, in which we do see Ariel's mother briefly, and she gets killed off by um you know um you know by the humans, and they fish her off. And I mean, even though that the, in the motivation for that movie is that King Trident sees this as preventing singing because Ariel's mother was singing when she was captured. And so King Trident's like, you know, no more singing in Atlantica. It could have been like an interesting take on like, OK, my wife was killed by these savages up on the surface. Nobody goes up on the surface, which makes a lot of sense because his wife was killed that way and he doesn't want his daughters to go through the same thing. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, we still get like you know um, the the aerial that we know from the 1989 version, pretty much. And so she also sings the same. She basically sings the same, same song. You know. Yeah, she uh, does sing part of yeah. your world. I mean, at this point in time, I mean, it it would have been a crime if these songs would have been cut off from the movie. The music from Alan Menken and Howard Ashman are iconic, so you you can't cut off the songs from the movie. But instead. They brought back the original music, and then they have new music written by Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah, so um, so as Patricia says, there are new songs in this movie, which uh, I think are fantastic. And uh, so, um, first of all, Prince Eric gets a song. Yes, like, he does get this, a song, which is great. I mean, it's a Uncharted World. I think is a great song. Yes, I yes. Um, I I think that it was a great idea of it of giving Eric not only a song but also a backstory and more motivation towards his character because we didn't get that in the original. The original Pink Prince Eric was just, you know, some guy who loves sailing in the ocean and, you know, he hears the song of a girl who saves his life and then, you know, he's trying to find out if the girl that they found in the beach was the same girl and, you know, he that was pretty much it. He was just a very flat prince and unfortunately a lot of the princes at that time period were. They didn't have a lot of, you know, development or personality. I mean, you have like the prince from Snow White, Cinderella, 
you have um sleeping beauty they didn't really have a lot of personality or backstory but i'm glad that they were able to give personality and backstory into prince eric in this version like the fact that you know he was adopted he was found in a shipwreck where his mother the queen took him in and he has this love of the ocean he wants to explore and he wants to bring life back to their island which has been long cut off from all the other islands and he doesn't want to be stuck in the palace like his father was where he basically just rules everything and doesn't interact with anybody he wants to be out there it's you know a perfect parallel with ariel and the uh, you know with um, the little mermaid's case in which you have ariel who wants to know about the surface she wants to explore eric wants to know about what's the world out there and he wants to explore so they're basically cut from the same cloth yeah, and so they give Eric the same sort of song that Ariel has, which I think, you know, it's great because you get to see both perspectives of the relationship. It, it, it is well, a brilliant addition. Yeah, and uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda has done his homework. Yes, you know, and, absolutely. Mean, there, there's one bit where I feel like he goes off Kelter, but we'll talk about that later on in the when, when we get to it. <laughs> yes, but, we will. Yeah, we will. So, um, I mean... Also, I mean, you get the Under the Sea song as well, which, but by the way, the end of the Under the Sea song was a bit confusing because, like, it, there wasn't much, you know, like, at the very end of the song where, you know, uh, Sebastian says, uh, oh, hey, you know, uh, now do you see what it's like to be, like, Under the Sea? And then, like, Mariel's no longer to be found. And I feel like they didn't really play that bit up as much. Well, uh, yeah, if you remember in the original, Sebastian tells Ariel no long to no longer go up into the surface and then all of the other fish are convincing Ariel to stay under the sea and then you have all the fish and all the aquatic creatures playing the music. Well, in this one, both uh, Sebastian and Ariel are singing it, which is like Okay, is it supposed to be a take on like, you know, Ariel is singing along, but she's trying to like lure Sebastian into like being distracted with the song of Under the Sea and then eventually she goes away? I think that's what they were trying to go for. Yeah, I think they were trying to go for, but I don't think they I don't think they executed it all that I, well. I agree. I it's like, you know, I really like the fact that Ariel was included in the song of Under the Sea because that's one of the few songs that she doesn't sing. But yeah, on context, it doesn't really make that much sense because it looks Looks like she's enjoying being under the sea when she's singing along with Sebastian. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of yeah, weird. that's it's like, weird. It's kind of like, do you remember the scene in like you know probably one of the worst Dexter's Laboratory episodes, like when he raps about like you know Santa Claus not being real. Oh and, god! And then like you know uh, DD, you it's kind of like DD joining in with that song when you think about it. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, yeah. Like you know Dexter's rapping about how the dad is dressed up as Santa Claus and that the car is the sleigh and that. Mom dresses up as the reindeer. Imagine if Dee Dee sung along to it. Um, yeah, it's kind of like that. It's like, it's just, it kind of makes not much sense to Ariel to kind of like join along with the song. Like I said way, before, yeah. unless if she's trying to trick Sebastian into singing along to Under the Sea and then we see her like going away. I mean, that's what happened in the original where um, we have Flounder who, you know, comes in during the middle of the song. He whispers to Ariel about finding, you know, Prince Eric's statue in the grotto and then she leaves while everybody else is still performing. We could have had that scene. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, that, that bit were basically happens. And so, I mean, this is the thing, like, even when the original songs kept in, I mean, they do do some justice for them, I do believe. So, yes. like, uh, they, 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 do, they do do really well. And um, you also forgive me for stretching, I can't remember what our next 
but if it wasn't well i mean after this if you remember where we have ariel seeing the fireworks and uh, it's prince eric's birthday and they're celebrating and they actually sing the song that was featured in the first movie if you remember in the original movie they actually start off with the pirates singing off about you know being in the ocean they start off with a sea shanty and that's how it was in the beginning but in this one they actually sing it during prince eric's birthday and then these these aren't are they pirates in the original movie or oh no they're sailors uh, i'm sorry sailors yeah the sailors yeah they're sailors but they're singing they're singing a sea shanty Mm -hmm. anyway but yeah so it's it plays off but then we get the hurricane then we get like the hurricane happens in the ocean and uh, then everyone basically has to jump off board ship and uh avoid prince eric does not get off in the most uh, you know helpful of circumstances where basically (laughs) he has to get smashed through the ship and then ends up (laughs) in the water and then ariel has to save him and uh i mean obviously that's in the original movie as well like uh, they they do all that bit and uh so um the somewhat interesting thing that they do in this movie in my opinion is king trident himself like uh that he's more more you know fat you know um presence in this film than he was in the in the original movie yeah he and, is uh, he is yeah. he is a lot more present in this they, film. they do really try and give him some character and uh i don't know i would have gone further with trident like i would say that he's a king that is so you know worried about like his kingdom and, and stuff like that because like all the humans are doing that you know he kind of goes a bit off kelter he kind of goes a bit off the rails so like you know he's giving commands that you know some of the mermen and mermaids are all kind of questioning why are you doing this like you know, this isn't helpful for us at all. Like you know, I kind of have kind of go mad with power a little bit, really. And uh, then because you know, there, there's one bit in the the fallout that they have between King Trident and Ariel, where you know the king smashes up all the stuff, and then but then in one moment in the movie, you know, uh, Sebastian is in the point of fire, and then King Trident basically fires his you know his um his trident and blows the statue up with you know nearly taking out Sebastian in the process. Obviously, we get the same thing. You know, Ariel goes off in in a huff. You know, everything that goes on, like she's you know really unhappy about all of what's just had taken place. But you know, in that situation, like you know, I would have had a confrontation scene where you know where Ariel looks like she's about to like, break down and cry, but at the same time, like you know, she takes one peek at Sebastian, you know, being helped up maybe, and then she goes and confronts Trident and says, "You know what? You're losing your mind over this. You know, you say I'm obsessed with humans. You're far more obsessed with them than I am. You know, you nearly you nearly bl- killed Sebastian." blowing up all this stuff because of your hatred of humans and like that and i would have had like more of a conversation of that maybe have uh, king trident thinking about what he's just done yeah it it would have been it's kind of like the um the message of the parable where you have the monk who was forbidden from you know holding a woman carrying a woman to the other side of the river when the bridge breaks and then the other monk tells him hey why did you do that you broke you know the laws we're not supposed to be touching women and then it could have been an interesting lesson. It's like, I carried the woman physically and then I dropped her off. You're still carrying her in your mind. Get over it. It's done. So it could have been an interesting take on, you know, King Trident, who is trying to protect his daughter from the humans. But then he goes a little bit too far and he almost kills Sebastian in the process. Like, you know, why are you doing this? I mean, look at you. You're just as obsessive with humans as I am. And then, you know, she could have broke down and cried when she saw all of her stuff broken. Yeah, I feel like more politics should have been involved in this movie, and I get this is a like you know a family movie, and isn't it? It isn't like you know a, a political thriller or anything like that. Like you know, it's not about like you know a president going mad or something like that. I, I get that, but I don't know. Like it, it would have been interesting to see see a bit more of. Now that you got Trident in as like one of like you know the supporting cast, I mean, like it would have been interesting to see a bit more of his character. 
Yeah, you know, like I would have loved to have seen a backstory with not only with Trident, but more with Ursula. So yeah, let's let's talk about Ursula for a second, who is our main villain of the movie. Now, as mentioned earlier about Little Mermaid being one of the most important movies of Disney, Ursula was the one who pretty much brought the villains back, where in a time you did have your fair share of, you know, iconic villains like, you know, the Wicked Queen from Snow White or Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty. But then after a while, villains were just kind of like, either pushed to the backside or they were more realistic. Like, say, um, you had, uh, you know, uh, Sykes from Oliver and Company or Radigan from the uh, from the Great Mouse Detective. They weren't, like, in the iconic status. Ursula was the one that brought it back. And so trying to do a new uh, take isn't, on... Isn't it refreshing to see, like, you know, a, 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 a like a really great villain back in a movie for yes. Disney? Isn't it refreshing? Like, I love the Ursula in this movie. Like, you know, you just look at her and like, you know, uh, I can't remember the name of the actress who plays Melissa her. McCarthy. Sorry. Melissa McCarthy does a incredible job with Ursula in this movie. And it's she kind of funny because, you know, we know Melissa McCarthy as a comedian. She's supposed to be really funny. So for her being the villain of this movie and playing it off just as well as Pat Carroll did in the 89 version is very commendable. I remember yeah, it. I, mean, I, I, think, I think she's fantastic in this movie i think it shows her versatility as an actor i have to say so i mean if i hope she does even more you know some more serious stuff maybe like uh, i'd love to see her like in a thriller i like to see her like you know in a drama or something like that i think she i think she'd be well suited for it mm -hmm. I think. yeah yeah yeah, and, and they, they actually built some more backstory into Ursula, where she's actually the sister of King Trident, and she was banished, just like she was in the original, and she was banished for 15 years, locked, you know, she was basically in a cave, rotting away, and trying to find the perfect opportunity to get revenge so, on King so Trident. What, what was the reason for her banishment? That's the thing. They don't answer this. And I would, that, that's the opportunity. Like that, that would be, I mean, like, you know, you've got a villain and, uh, you know, I think what Melissa McCarthy did with Ursula was pretty, was pretty great. It would be interesting to give this person like a bit of more backstory. I agree. About, yeah. And, and and just like I said before, I mean, I wish that it would have taken another cue from Ariel's beginning, where they did have a villain that sort of acted like Ursula, but wasn't, where she was the caretaker of the daughters, and she was getting sick of it because the daughters were so self-centered and spoiled, and so she decided that she felt that she was going to be the better ruler of them, because King Trident was just so hung up on no music on Atlantica, where she felt like she could have ruled it better, I mean, and, you know, Ursula is a sea witch. Maybe, you know, her ways of thinking that she can be able to rule everything was probably going to be, like, way off than compared to King Trident's, and so maybe that's why he banished her. Kind of like, um, it, it would have been an interesting take, you know, like, of this how... Is the thing, like, you know, she's a sea witch. I mean, like, do what you normally do with banished witches. Like, say, oh, she's tampering like, dark magic, and, you know, dark magic bad, and therefore, you know, you go now. Bye-bye. You know, like, uh, that could have eased, you know, you could easily have just done that. Would have still made sense. Yeah, I guess you know? that's true, yeah. She's dabbling in dark magic. Look what she does in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She does a lot of dark magic in the movie. And one of the things that I'm really sad on that they didn't um, include in the movie was, um, you remember in the scene when Ariel was entering into Ursula's cave and you had all of those uh, sea creatures grabbing onto her? Yeah. Yeah, those sea creatures were former mermaids that had taken the deal onto Ursula to make their lives better. But when they couldn't accomplish it, she turned them into those creatures and they were and she was surrounded by a bunch of them. And the creatures were actually grabbing onto Ariel saying, stay away from her. You know, she you, you shouldn't go to her to make your dreams come true. Look what happened to us. And in the end of the movie, when Ursula gets killed off, 
the power of the trident was able to turn them back into mermaids and they were able to go free. Yeah. I would have loved to seen that version in the in this movie. Uh, I don't know. Like in this movie, I think they're just her muscle. I think you know, like uh, I mean, we already had Flotsam and Jetsam as her muscle. I, I know, but you know, like uh, the fact that she has like more minions to kind of like you know go go towards. Maybe like you know, kind of like what Maleficent had about like you know when uh, in 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 Sleeping Beauty. I guess that's you know, like, true. Yeah. yeah okay. Not, I mean, I guess in this context, these are the sure. less competent minions that she has. Okay. Fair enough. Know to, all these nerds who attach themselves to people. That's basically yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like uh, she's seen more evil. The fact that she can. Well, keep in mind, she was holding up skulls like in all the tentacles, saying like you know anyone who didn't like fulfill like you know their part of the deal got killed. Yeah, so, uh, I thought that was better, to be honest. Okay, okay, maybe well, there, that's there, maybe that's there what happened. Skeletons, there were skeletons of mermaids littered around the place as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, uh, I think uh, the idea, I think, of being eliminated from life, I think, uh, for, you know, for not uh, you know doing your deal with the devil, I think, is uh, far more threatening. I think than what they gave us. I think in the in nineteen dare, dare I say they actually made something better from the nineteen eighty nine version. Well, especially what they did with King Trident, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah we'll definitely get to that later, but. Uh, yeah. So, um, one interesting thing that came out of our side characters, I think, was Grimsby. Yeah, um, Grimsby, when the original version was just like, oh, you know, you have the person who was with Prince Eric, and he was just like, you know, the servant, and that was pretty much it. He was just like a little bit skittish, and he was just trying to keep Prince Eric in line. And that was pretty much it. Well, in this one, they actually developed his character more. Yeah. And uh, so, um, you know, and also on top of that, well, he has an edge as well. Like, you know, uh, Eric and Ariel, like, you know, go outside the castle when the queen told him not to. And uh, he said, oh, well, I didn't see nothing if you didn't see nothing. And just let him to it. Yeah. yeah. And he actually it's kicked cool. away the and he actually kicked away um, Eric's mother's engagement ring away so that Vanessa, you know, the disguise of Ursula wouldn't be able to find it because he knew that Ariel was suited more for Eric than Vanessa. Yeah, like, you know, Grimsby's, uh, you know, Prince Eric's homie. He's like, he's his, br he's his brother from another mother. Yes. In this movie. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, great, great development on Grimsby, by the way. I never would have thought that Grimsby would have been a highlight in this movie. Yeah, it's like, you know, he's like Alfred from Batman, when you would think <laughs> about it. Like, yeah, brilliant. I guess you could say that, yeah. Yeah, it's a great addition to that. Yeah, I, I love really, it. Really yeah. Yeah. And again, so, like you were mentioning earlier, the music that was added into the movie written by Lin-Manuel Miranda was great. I mean, I love the fact that Ariel was able to have kind of like a little bit of a, a monologue where she was able to think about her situation where she wants to, you know, be with Prince Eric, but she doesn't know how to. And then they did a reprisal of Part of Your World where she lost, essentially, because Vanessa came into the picture. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just oh, thought yeah, well, that. But, well, after, well after, before we get to that bit, I mean, we have to talk about like probably like the weaker song out of all of this. Scuttlebutt, uh, yeah. Scuttle gets a rap number, which is like that's very nineties in my opinion. Well, it's not very nineties. It's very Hamilton. This doesn't fit with the Little Mermaid. It fits yeah, with it's... Hamilton. It fits within the Heights. It does not fit with the yeah, Little but, Mermaid. Yeah, uh, but Hamilton had that, like, you know, vibe to it. Like, so it made sense to have those numbers. In exactly. In this context, it didn't. It did not. Yeah, you're right. Because... Yeah. In this, yeah. it reminds me of, like, you know, when, uh, you know, like, remember Batty from, like, you know, Fun Golly, like, you know, <laughs> the, the, you know, it kind of reminds me of when Robin Williams starts rapping. Yeah, like, you know, my when, name the, the... is Batty. Yeah. I have a little... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you know, like you know, like every cartoon, like within like the you know, the nineties, had to have like some kind of like you know rapping, you know, 
cartoon character. Yeah, because rap was, like, was essentially like the cool and hip genre. Yeah, you know, it was like it was, you know, it was uh, it was the Yo Yogi generation. Oh, I don't God. Say that. Why did I you have say, to bring that up? I don't say that with any any pride whatsoever. But uh, that's that was what cartoons were somewhat like at the time. Uh, that weren't Renaissance era, you know, Disney cartoons. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, and uh, like I said before, the newer songs that they were able to add into it made a lot of sense because, you know, with Prince Eric's song, it's his version of Part of Your World. With the new song that Ariel was able to sing when she first got into the surface made a lot of sense with her monologuing. It reminded me of Satisfied from Hamilton. And also a lot of the reprisals made a lot of sense as well because they're uh, iconic at this point. Having them removed was going to be a sin. I mean, they okay. They did remove one song from the movie, and that was Les Poissons, which is the song that the chef would sing when Sebastian was in the kitchen and he was trying to get away from being found and being stuffed into, um, you know, um, you know, stuffed with stuffing and, you know, being served. Oh, into dinner. it. Yeah. Like uh, basically turning into like, uh, well, what's it called? Like, uh, not, not a macaroni. Uh, that's, uh, what uh, was yeah, it, he was, he was stuffed crab. Oh, stuff crab, yeah. So I mean, well, I mean, we didn't get that scene, so I mean, there was no reason for that for that number. Yeah, and there was so. no chef character either, and there was no. no crazy wacky chase scene with Sebastian and the chef. So yeah, we didn't have any of that. Yeah. In regards to the way the way that the, the thing looks like, you know, thankfully we're not playing count the dicks in this mo- in this movie. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> oh nothing nothing looks too phallic in this. You know, in the in it's the, true the, that is very true. Nothing looked too phallic in this movie. Yeah. And if uh, you younger kids who are wondering what we're talking about, um, go look at the, the original VHS tape from the '90s, and you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So uh, and I mean, also th- there's and there and also there's no priest that may be quote unquote having an erection. Which uh, I know that which is t- supposed I, to be his knee. Yeah, I know it's supposed that. to be his knees, but come on, it makes yeah, it maybe, look like maybe, it's a dick. <laughs> maybe in Beetlejuice, maybe it probably would be his, be probably be his knees, but you know, not in not in this. But yeah, uh, yeah, We're, especially in the scene. I'm talking about the animated we, series, not the live action one as well. Yeah, so. I know what you're talking about. Not the li- Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess, I mean, the one thing I would say, I think those are all the positives I think of the movie. I mean, I don't know if you can think of any others. You know, um, let that, me try that, to think. That, not, not, not like the ones that we were originally seen in the 1989s, but like some that took like creative liberties and actually were really good. The, I guess the King Trident scene when we thought he was dead. I mean, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that, was, that, was that was awesome, shocking. by the way. That was, was awesome. Like, what the? Yeah, he killed him? It's like, yeah. what, what, what are they going to do? It's like, you know, he's, uh, I thought at one point, like, you know, when uh, Ariel was going to grab the trident, I thought, what, is she going to become queen of the sea? Or something? I mean, that like wouldn't make a lot of sense considering that she's the youngest. So it would probably be one of her older sisters. Yeah, I thought so, but like, imagine if that I mean, they they cop out on that. By the way, like you know, Ariel grabs the trident and like brings him back to life. Like you know, he just like just you know uh, reconstructs himself and like you know from the ash that he turned into. I mean, again, it's taken from the original in which the trident was able to restore everybody. So yeah, yeah, but I mean, like he didn't turn into like a creature. You know, like he just died. Yeah, he died. He turned into yeah. ash when the electric eels shocked him. Yeah, that was that, that death yeah. was awesome. By the way, I yeah. that was that was a great liberty. That we weren't did. expecting that whatsoever. It's no. like he dies. Yeah, it's like what? That and was like, awesome. I I really was surprised that they were able to go that far. The, the final third packs in quite. I say, actually, there are some more positivities actually going there. The final third actually is really good. I have to say about this, like you know, they 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 build up the characters really well. Like you know, you you feel the emotion uh, between Ariel and you know Trident. Uh, at the very end, when you know they have that big hug, and uh, you know when uh, that, that that got me, I'll be honest with you, it did get me. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and the fact that you know, um, yeah, yeah, all all of what they did 
in it. Also, on top of that, like you know, at the very end, you know, um, you know, in the final fight with Ursula, you, you know, originally it was Prince Eric who would like you know drive the the ship into Ursula and kill Ursula. And uh, but no, it's uh, the, the Ariel herself actually does does the damage. By the way, which is warranted because you know this person, you know this person murdered her father. So like you know yeah yeah that you know she's gonna she's gonna run run that bitch through. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, I, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people were kind of mixed with this. With like, wait a minute, wasn't Eric supposed to kill Ursula in the original? But I guess in this context, where Ariel saw her father die, and she saw that her the love of her life was about to be killed by Ursula, she had to basically climb up to the ship and turn it around so that she can be able to defeat Ursula once and for all. It makes sense in that context. I mean, dare I say it's probably better. The, the, this build up, I mean, like, uh, again, like, you've seen the, you know, by the way, Patricia's seen the 1989 version like just yesterday. Yes. And uh, I've not seen it in a good long time. So, despite the fact that I have a Disney Plus account, I can see it whenever I want. But, uh, I mean, I don't have much time. But, uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel, I felt like looking at the, the recent movie and seeing, you know, Ariel kill Ursula. I don't know. I felt like her motivation was more warranted than, than, than Prince Eric. I don't know. Well, I mean, the, the, like I said, the context is different where Ariel was in trouble when she was trapped under the sea by Ursula and Eric was trying to rescue her. He was essentially returning a favor where Ariel rescued him and now he was going to rescue her. So in that context, in the 89 version, it makes sense. Yeah, but I don't know, like, if it was a situation where, in this situation, they gave Prince Eric the sword, like, uh, you know, uh, the way I would have played it out is that uh, Ursula was going to destroy the castle and kill all the humans on the island, and it's like, you know, then Prince, Prince Eric basically around and said, oh no, oh no, you ain't doing that, and then runs her through with a ship, that would be, that would probably be more warranted than, obviously, the, you know, that's the only way I could justify Prince Eric being the one who basically, you know, does the deed. But you know, in this case, I'm I'm all for Ariel, you know, murdering or killing Elsa. <laughs> Elsa oh my so. gosh! <laughs> Let oh, it yeah. go. Let it. Yeah, that's that's what I want the little mermaid two to be like. You know, Ariel kills Elsa, and she becomes the she becomes the <laughs> queen of Arendelle, or becomes the fifth spirit, or whatever whatever we're gonna be in Frozen Free. I don't know. Like it's just uh, that was, yeah. you heard it here first, people. Yeah. So, um, I guess those are all the positive. I mean, there's no post credit scene, by the way. Like, you know, Nick Fury doesn't come in, like, you know, try and invite, you know, uh, Ariel into the Avengers and she says or anything like that. But, uh, I mean, like, what uh, is Marvel's equivalent of, um, you know, Aquaman? Would it be the Submariner or? You know, I, actually, I was making Aquaman jokes throughout the, throughout the, throughout the movie, actually. That was, that was kind of fun. So, yeah, uh, you were. <laughs> I was like, Black Manta didn't come in at any point, but, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, in regards to, like, you know, an Avengers equivalent to, like, you know, the the, the live-action animated movies, I mean, like, uh, here's the thing about this. I mean, the uh, Disney right now, and I will argue this until they, you know, they stop me from doing podcasts, that Disney right now is sitting on a huge pile of money. And you know what that huge pile of money has labeled on it? What's that? The Disney Princess movie. Mm. You bring, you know, that that's the one good thing that came out of Ralph breaks the internet. I agree. That, that was yeah. probably like my favorite scene of the entire movie. It was, was Vanellope meeting up with the Disney princesses. It was talked about for months after the movie first came out, and like people were like saying, "Oh, this just watch this bit. This is the best bit of the movie." And everybody and, and we saw the movie and we agree. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like you know, did, I, I don't know if Disney just worried because obviously Ralph breaks the internet didn't do all that well, and so they just kind of sit in their hands like. 
saying, oh, well, the Disney princess movie might not do well. I was like, no, we will. Like, just just isolate Ralph out of the equation in, like, the movie franchise. Do a movie where you bring all the Disney princesses together, and that, I guarantee you, would break a billion at the I box office. I agree. Yeah, bring in Snow White, Cinderella, Aurora, uh, Princess Jasmine, Merida, Ariel, Belle, Princess Tiana, bring every single princess that you've ever done, put them together and have them fight off a major adversary. I don't know who the adversary would be, but just do it. Chernobyl from Fantasia. Perfect. Think, you know, Move yeah, like, big, big massive devil guy, like, you know, wants to destroy the Disney world. Like, you know, we'll uh, burn it all down to cinders if he has to. The Disney princesses save the day. Yes. You know? Seriously, Disney, do this movie. You'll make money. Yeah, like, you know, seriously, like, you know, uh, we'll give you our email addresses if you want, and we can write it for you, but, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Just pay, um... just, just pay us, just pay, just pay us, uh, what, we, what, we, what, we, what we asked for, and we won't go on strike again. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and give oh, us the way, lifetime. After this podcast, we're not doing Aaron and Patricia at the moment because of the writer's strike. Yeah, exactly. Until the writer's strike is done, and everybody can come up with a reasonable agreement, Aaron and Patricia um, has ceased production. Well, yeah, we're on strike. Yes, we are on strike because they are on strike. Yeah. Anyway, we're moving away from Little Mermaid a little bit. So, um, so I think we talked about all the positives out of the movie. I mean, I guess the negatives of the movie is that, um, I don't know if I agree with uh, the idea of like in the spell that Ursula puts in is that, uh, oh hey, not only do you have lost your voice, you've actually also lost your memory, and also that you obviously have like you know issues communicating with people and, and stuff I, I don't know those are the added little tidbits I, I thought they were going to go somewhere with it but in actual fact it doesn't really have too much bearing at all no really it doesn't it, it. it doesn't really have any bearing whatsoever it almost kind of reminded me of cinderella 3 in which everybody with the exception of cinderella forgot about the events of what happened because the you know lady tremaine got the wand from the fairy godmother and so she had to like basically, you know, make the prince fall in love with her all over again. In fact, they, I think they even did a reversal. You remember when in the original 89 version, Prince Eric was under the spell from Vanessa slash Ursula, thinking that that was, you know, the girl who rescued him from the sea and, um, you know, they were going to get married and stuff like that. She put a spell on him. But I guess in this case, he put, you know, Ursula put the spell on her and then Eric didn't get anything. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's, uh, I mean, the, the fact that I think that it was enough that, you know, he thought Vanessa saved, saved his life, I think that was enough to, like, you know, kind of keep going. And also, you know, um, Prince Eric had doubts in his mind because, you know, he'd fallen in love with Ariel, but then he's got Vanessa who, you know, he thinks saved, saved his life, so... He was in that bind, effectively. It's like a soap opera when you really think about it. Yeah, again, so, this is a great change because... You know, we have Eric who spent two days with Ariel and started to fall in love with her, but he knows that maybe this couldn't be the girl because she doesn't know how to speak. And the one who saved his life was the one who sang that beautiful song. And so when Vanessa comes over and she has the beautiful voice and she claims that she rescued him, he doesn't really love her. In the original, he was brainwashed and hypnotized thinking that this was the girl and they were going to get married just for one more obstacle to Ariel to overcome. But but in this case, Eric is like, no, maybe I'm kind of doubting if I even love Vanessa, even though that that's the beautiful girl I've been searching for all this time. And she's the one who saved my life. And she's the one with the beautiful voice. No, maybe I love Ariel. And Grimsby tells her this, you know, tells him the same thing. It's like, 
you know, you've been looking for this dream girl, but maybe the dream girl you've been looking for is right in front of you this whole time. Yeah, actually, that's a good shout out to Grimsby, by the way, in this movie. You know, like, uh, you know, he doesn't pussyfoot around it. He basically says, no, you sh- this is the woman you love, you love, you know. Do that. Yeah, you know, and they did do, do this, this in, and they did do this in the original as well, but again, it was null and void because Vanessa slash Ursula, you know, basically brainwashed him with her magic. Yeah, so I mean there's there's that. But still, like, you know, you know, cool. So um we finally get to the wedding scene, and uh, I mean then it's all kind of like revealed that uh you know, um, Ariel is a mermaid, and everyone's shocked. And uh, like, I love the bit where, like, you know, the the, the necklace broke, and uh, you know, her, her thing came out. And, like, there's one woman who's kind of like, you know, just like shaking her head disapprovingly <laughs> about a lot of what she's having. Like, yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know it's like to live in the Disney world. Like, <laughs> like yeah, what? yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, I've seen this before. I saw the prince from the other land kissing Snow White, and she finally woke up. I've seen this already. You, you know what? Given the fact that uh, you know they do oh by the way and um, we actually didn't talk about the cameos in this movie now that i've mentioned that like uh yeah they, they, they i'm pretty sure there's so, like quite a few famous faces actually in the marketplace in that and one of them is the original voice actress for the middle mermaid yeah that's right jody benson who yeah. was the voice of the original um ariel in the little mermaid and she has been the voice of ariel for almost 40 years she performs for her in um, various video games in the the sequel and the prequel of the Disney, um, you know, the Disney sequels. She's also been in a few episodes of Sophia the First. She's um, b- provided her voice for the Disney attraction. So, yeah, she still voices as Ariel to this day. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's a good gig, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's still a great gig. Yeah, the the fact that you are forever going to be a Disney icon for voicing one of the most uh, popular Disney princess of all time. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, and, I mean, and that's not to say that that's the only thing she does. She also plays as Barbie in the Toy Story movies, and she also does a, a you know various other roles in um, both Disney and for non Disney. Oh well, she better keep hold of her Bible commitment. Sorry, Bible. I mean, she better keep hold of her bar- Barbie commitments because uh, you know she's uh, she's never going to be needing that quite you know quite a few times. I probably imagine given the success <laughs> of the Barbie movie. Yeah, exactly uh, the Barbie movie. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, um. What was my next uh, thought was going to be? Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, we're trying to find negatives in the movie uh, in this. And uh, so, I mean, um, I guess you could say that, uh, I mean, the music, while Limerell Romanda does a very good job on the songs, you know, the, the musical aspects of, you know, The Little Mermaid, I think the rest of the the um, the score, I don't know, like, you know, there wasn't like a part of the score where I kind of felt like, oh, hey, now outside of like the musical bits, like I could say, oh, hey, that's a recognizable tune. I mean, I recognize them because, like I said before, I saw the movie last night and a lot of cues were from the original and there were some that Mm -hmm. were different. But, yeah, it's not like it was like too out of the ordinary. No, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, it felt kind of standard sometimes, like, you know, even like when we're getting into the fight scenes and stuff like that, you know, between, you know, Vanessa and, you know, Ariel it's kind of like, yeah, they're sort of playing the sort of same way that, you know, you play, but like, you know, a fight pretty much, you know, it's yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like like you'd be a dubstep and like you know it's kind of like like fight music or anything like that. But like you know, it, it kind of fit the you know, hey, there's a fight going on in a Disney movie. It's like uh, yeah, so totally get that. Okay, fair so, enough. I mean that there's that. Um, and also, I mean, like obviously, there's a confusing gene pool of like you know Ariel's family, which is like you know that's sort of like needs more explanation. Also, Ursula herself needs more explanation too. Like you know her backstory also I think uh, needed a bit more, and it would have been nice if they did that. And, uh, I mean, besides that, I mean, besides, you know, some questionable aspects, I guess, of, you know, The Little Mermaid or the fact that he actually, you know, 
Uh, I'm sure with the Disney purists, I mean, I guess the negative like they even exists, you know, in regards to the 1989 version. I'm sure there's going to be those people out there who prefer the 1989 version. And quite frankly, good for you. But uh, I got to be honest, like there are a few negative nitpicks in this movie. But to be honest with you, it's uh, they're not they don't really drag it down. Yeah, like I know that some people were complaining about like, you know, the visual effects being like, oh, this is too dark. Remember in the in the animated Disney movie, they made it all bright and colorful. Well, they're trying to be realistic because in the ocean, depending on how deep you are, the sun wouldn't be able to penetrate. I mean, like, uh, but at the same time, if you were, uh, I mean, here's the thing about this. They could have gone really hardcore with this, couldn't they? You know, because, you know, the Little Mermaid, Hans Christie Anderson story doesn't actually have a happy ending. Oh, no, no, no. You, uh, for those who don't know, in the original story of Hans Christian Anderson's The Little Mermaid, the Little Mermaid herself gets turned into sea foam when she sees that the prince that she fell in love with uh, fell in love with another woman and then you know she basically just cries herself into sea foam and that's pretty much the ending yeah so the little mermaid dies in this in the story yeah exactly so yeah they could have gone a lot more darker with it if they wanted to but thankfully they didn't mm-hmm. so, yeah if they were going to be really like uh, you know it's, it's to the t with the story but yeah uh, now i can that, expect that like that for another, I, I can expect another studio to do that but for disney i don't think so uh you think uh, do you think el toro probably might Ooh, ooh, ooh. That would be interesting. Guillermo del Toro doing a more accurate take on the Little Mermaid. Ooh, mm. I, I'm 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 peaked with curiosity. Well, we'll see. So um yeah, I mean there's I think that's about it, really. I think uh, there's not unless there's something else you want to discuss. Mm, I, I guess we did say that the w- w- the weakest song in the movie was Scuttlebutt, but um, and then, of course, we had the questionable decisions on, you know, why are the daughters of different races when they could have maybe given a deeper explanation and, of course, you know, more backstory on some of the other characters. But, yeah, I think that we already went through all of that. I can't think of, like, any ones that we haven't covered that uh, needs to be brought up. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess all that's left is now to rate this movie. All right, then. So, uh, I've got to be honest with everybody. I was very surprised. I mean, the, get me wrong, there's been plenty of live-action remakes that have really made me cringe or have really made me question, like, you know, my existence in this world, you know, quite frankly, and uh, why I bother with, you know, uh, talking about these movies. But, uh, you know, The Little Mermaid, I mean, they've taken it's taken them several attempts to do a good one, and finally they finally struck gold. And uh, the the gold they've been looking for has basically been under the sea this entire time. So, um, you know, there are some negative aspects to it. But to be honest with you, the positives outweigh the negatives in this movie. And uh, I would recommend at least one viewing of it to kind of give it a chance. And uh, so um, I would definitely say in this instance, after everything we talk about, I mean, it'd be kind of cruel to go under eight. So I'd probably say 8.5 at this point. Hmm. Yeah, I I agree. 8.5 sounds about right, because everything that they were able to do from the original that a lot of people liked is there. They were able to improve on a lot of issues and little nitpicks and details that needed to be addressed. And also they were able to get some great casting. I mean, I really liked Halle Bailey as Ariel, and I thought that Melissa McCarthy did a great job 
as Ursula. And also, I really enjoyed Javier Bardem as King Trident. And uh, Jonah Howard King did a really good Eric. I mean, everybody in this movie did a really good job. I know the casting some people... is brilliant. I will admit that. Yeah, so. the casting is great. And I know some people have issues with Aquafina, but I mean, that's who Aquafina is. I, I still prefer, you know, her other roles like uh, Sisu in Ryan the Last Dragon and even as recently as Miss Tarantula in The Bad Guys. But yeah, I think that her scuttle, I mean, yeah, it could get a little bit annoying, but so was the original scuttle's performance. So, yeah, th- I mean, it fits with the character. Yes, there are some things that could have been addressed, but I, like you said before, the positive outweighs the negative. So, yeah, 8.5. Go check this out. If you've heard people having negative reactions to it, it's not as bad as you think it is. I mean, I'd say this is probably one of the better live-action Disney remakes. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, if I had to be choose between the 1989 version and the 2023 version, I mean, I'll, out of nostalgia, I'll always pick the 1989 version. Of course I will. Um, but yeah. that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that this is a bad movie. Or do no. I even say it's a mediocre movie either? There actually is something good in here that you actually find. You know, like, uh, dare I say, that? And also the side characters in this movie, they've actually done dare I say, better than the 1989 version. Mm-hmm. As well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like we said, is... Grimsby is great. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, uh, it's not a it's not a fantastic movie by any stretch of the mind. I mean, there's some really fantastic movies in the Disney collection, and uh, but, you know, this is a good movie. There's nothing wrong here besides some of the wrong things that we have pointed out, but again, they're not bad. They're not terrible things that have happened in this movie. There are great things that have happened in this movie, and it is worth a watch. Yeah, I do agree. I can't believe I'm saying that about a Disney live action remake. What's happening with me? What's wrong with me? <laughs> maybe uh, they're hearing your complaints and maybe they're listening to it and getting better. You know what? If they, if they're listening to feedback from the other movies, that's great. Like, you know, and uh, that, that's one thing I think that Disney have, have lacked in, in this entire time. They, they don't, they kind of say that, oh, we're, we're going to go on our own mantra and we're going to, I mean, the problem with Disney recently is that they have got so, I mean, and this is more for Pixar really than it is that they've got so obsessed with telling like original stories. They've kind of like forgotten who they're telling the original stories to in a way. And uh, now that I think if they are, you know, listening to the audience, this is what they want to see. This is what they want to feel in a movie. This is the characters that uh, they feel could be better than they were in the original, or they could do more with them or give them more explanation. If Disney are waking up to that, then that can only be positive going forward. And who knows? Maybe actually there might be a collection of live-action remakes we can say, here are the great ones, and let's forget about the later ones because obviously they're not so good. But here's the ones that we can definitely say, this is where Disney got it right, finally. Yeah. Now, let's see if Snow White is going to be able to meet up with that same standard. Well, we'll see. We'll see. All right, everybody. Well, that is our bonus edition of In Search of the Crystal Skull. And uh, we'll let you know when this uh, series is going to come back, you know, full time. But uh, for the meantime, we're going to concentrate on other stuff. Yep. Take care, everybody. And bye bye for now. See you later.